under construction. The Article 7 Podcast. Welcome. Yes, this is uh, Pastor Andy Jago, minister over at Bethany Lutheran Church, located at 2501 Beacon Hill Road in Alexandria, Virginia. This is the Article 7 podcast. We're giving you the sermons that are preached there at Bethany, as well as some other insights into the ministry in and around the church. So today, uh, just recording this very quickly, I did warn uh, folks at the beginning of this podcast series, there may be times if once we go weekly, and that's our, I'm going to try to do that as best as we can, uh, but there may be some weeks where we have to not do some extra things uh, that we've been doing, so it's this podcast is just going to be the sermons right there after an introduction. In this introduction, though, let me just share with you a couple of things that are happening a week from Sunday. That is, uh, particularly on September 13th, that is the go time for the story. Uh, And so let me just uh, cover a few things. Uh, Two things that I have personal involvement in, uh, besides the sermons on Sunday, uh, which you will hear podcasted uh, on the Article 7 podcast. Uh, But one preliminary question that I heard from one of our groups uh, as they were considering doing this in their small group, how Lutheran is the story? Well, this was developed by Oak Hills Church, which is independent evangelical church, not uh, Lutheran. Um, and Lutheran churches that have done this, uh, including uh, very nearby, Prince of Peace in Springfield, Virginia. Um, you know, the, the comments that came back is, well, it's a, it's a very basic program. Under proper pastoral guidance, uh, we're, we're putting in uh, a lot of, uh, <laughs> into the curriculum itself, a lot of what's, here's the technical theological term, Christology, but the technical term that we use in theology classes, but you probably get the gist of it. It has to center on Christ. Uh, so as I'm instructing our small group leaders and Sunday school teachers, uh, the, the curriculum itself probably wants to build up to Jesus in the time that he comes. Um, but I say there's no reason to build up to it. Let Jesus be the center of everything that we teach uh, here. I shared with you last time the big idea, which I think is a wonderful teaching tool the story uses. Uh, God's big idea is that he wants to be with us. Well, that's not possible except through the work of Jesus Christ, which he ordained from the very beginning. So let's look at that all the way through. Uh, The other Lutheran principle is Scripture alone. That means that the things that we decide in the church, whenever there's a disagreement among us— what are the things that are essential, that are important, and other things that maybe could be let go? We make those decisions based on our knowledge of the Bible. So it's important for every Lutheran Christian, every Christian really, uh, Lutheran or not, to, to know the Bible uh, and to know it well. Uh, so that's a challenge these days. And I think a curriculum like the story and the tools that are there, the basic tools for uh, how to approach the Bible, looking at the a big idea and breaking it out in terms of upper story and lower story, which we're going to get into in the weeks and months to come. I think those tools are are great for getting people into it uh, as an open door, as a corridor, if you will. Uh, And then once you're in that corridor, you're looking at all the different doors that are there. And of course, we're going to, I've already thought of a a good way in which God acts 
going from upper story, his big idea down, and how he works among people is very Trinitarian. And we find this in the small catechism that Luther wrote, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God created us. He has a plan for us. Uh, He redeems us by the blood of his Son. That's ultimately how he's going to be with us. Uh, And everything throughout the Bible kind of builds up. It goes to that and goes from that. Uh, and then uh, there's the work of the Holy Spirit all throughout the Scriptures, through individuals at first and then through the whole church, in order to bring this about and to let people know this good news here on earth. So there's a lot of Lutheran here uh, that I think under <laughs> in a Lutheran church like ours, it's uh, uh, something that is a very good fit, and uh, hopefully we'll get people into the Scriptures. As you're getting into it, two things that I want to alert you to that I've been putting some time into this past week. One is the class we're going to call the pastor's study of the story, that is, which will be taking place Sunday mornings during the Bible study hour. This is going to be unique uh, and different from the other uh, Bible classes that are going on, small group and Sunday school. Um, This is going to involve my uh, PowerPoints each uh, Sunday morning session. We're going to start actually with the video in the Randy Frazee video series, Uh, Just the first five minutes of that video, which is someone reading a part of the Bible in a different setting. It's a great introduction, I think, to the session. Uh, Then we'll start off with three images, either from classical art uh, or a modern uh, picture, making connections in the material that we're hopefully going to read together in the the next week, uh, getting us ready to learn that. Uh, And then we're going to be making connections. We're going to talk a lot about the upper and lower story and some of the grand themes of the Bible. So beginning in Genesis with the marriage theme, uh, what that looks like. I've also developed some of this into some group discussion questions, which are put into a supplement for our Bethany Beacon. That's our monthly newsletter. Uh, And uh, you'll be uh, seeing uh, that come out also in our e-news. Uh, And also, if you're a participant in one of our monthly small groups, uh, you'll be seeing that as well. And those uh, month, those some of those study questions uh, that we've developed at Bethany are going to be used in that supplement. And and by the way, if you would like to submit a study question, you're one of those Bible students that love to read ahead. You're already looking at October and uh, Moses and the wilderness wandering, and uh, you're taking a look at Joshua and the Promised Land. Uh, maybe you've got a good study question or a picture. Maybe you have a, a picture because you visited Jericho at one point. Uh, so if if that's the case, then uh, certainly you want to email me, and I will give you full credit uh, if we choose to use this for our monthly supplement, uh, usually by the 10th of each month ago. So for October, this would be September 10th, and that gives me a few days to put it together for the 15th. That's our deadline for our monthly newsletter. Uh, so uh, that, that gives me a little time if I receive it on the 10th. Uh, send those things to pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, at Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y dash L-C-M-S. Okay, so I have rambled on far enough. Uh, the rest of these things you'll just have to discover for yourself. As our school year comes to uh, a beginning, uh, Labor Day weekend is upon us. Uh, Kids are going back to school. Our preschool is opening. Sunday school uh, will be starting next Sunday, a week from this Sunday, so September 13th, the same day that we launched the story. Everything is rebooting, and we're going to be learning together in a community 
at Bethany Lutheran Church. Please come and join us. Uh, so next is the last sermon, not the last sermon, the next to last sermon, the penultimate sermon in uh, our series called Under Construction, reading through Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, yes, the, I practiced this sermon a couple times because I saw the pages of material that I had here for this sermon. It just went on for a little, because there's a lot to talk about in Ephesians chapter 5. There are so many rabbit trails that one could take. My first sermon that I preached uh, with nobody there in the pews was about 40 minutes. <laughs> and so then the second one, we cut that down to about 25. I think I got it to just under 20 on Sunday morning. I'll, I'll check the, the tape here to see if I did. Um, so, yeah, so there's just so much to talk about. So see this as an introduction to Ephesians chapter 5 and hopefully some grounds, uh, some, uh, some motivation for further study as you dig into God's Word. There's so much there. Every chapter of the Bible, there's so much there. Uh, it just takes a lifetime to study and to unpack, which is why my job is so exciting, I think so. <laughs> All right, so Ephesians chapter 5, under construction, part 5, uh, with part 6 coming next week. So stay tuned. Friends, it is almost time for school to get started again. We've got an extra week coming up here in September. But that makes me think that maybe uh, Tonya Fazek, our preschool director, will probably want her toys back sometime soon, which is unfortunate. I've had a good time with uh, the construction toys that we have up here. And uh, what these have been helping me do is visualizing the book of Ephesians. All six chapters as a, as a plan for building a church. Now, the church gathers all over the world in many different kinds of settings, buildings, fields, and otherwise. But Paul gives us instructions on how to build it spiritually, starting with the blueprint, God's plan to unite the things in heaven and on earth, chapter 1. The foundation, which is the work of Jesus Christ. We cannot even begin before we know of his death and his resurrection, chapter 2. Chapter 3, the power that Paul gives in his prayer and his doxology, connecting us to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's chapter 3. Chapter 4, the construction of the actual structure. The good gifts that God gives us to use to preach, teach, evangelize, reach out with the good news and the good works which he has created us to do. Where good works like being kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you at the end of chapter 4. And Paul begins now chapter 5 saying, Therefore, building up, and he begins a lot of his chapters, Therefore, these are all connected to one another. That's what's beautiful about this book. And as we begin today, we're going to see the windows now go on to our building. Spiritual windows. When people look in, look into the church through these windows, what do they see? When we look out at the world, what do we see? There is a distinction, dear brothers and sisters, and we must be aware of it. Paul began, oh, and by the way, page uh, 978 
We are encouraging you to bring your Bible with you, by the way. Get in the habit of that. We're going to need it starting September 13th especially. But if you have your Bible that, that has notes, highlights, and so forth, please bring that with you. If you do not have that with you at this time, page 978 in your pew Bible. That's right there in the pews with you. You can follow along. Chapter 5 is where we are today, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 5 is like this. We have a, a agape section. Agape is the Greek word for love, but a special love. Not just physical attraction, not just brotherly, sisterly love, but agape is the word that's used for self-sacrificing, if you will, Jesus' love. That's agape. We have agape and then a long section of teaching. Agape, long section of teaching. That's chapter 5 going into chapter 6 that we'll get into right now. Therefore, be imitators of God, verse 1, as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. What is the first thing people should see in you? in me, in the church. I'll give you a hint because it's the very biggest thing. Kids, you can help me out. What is the biggest thing that you see in this sanctuary? The cross, exactly. The very, the most prominent thing that people should see is Jesus, in particular. His sacrifice. We cannot go out into this world and walk in love, as it says here, without the love of Jesus, that agape, self-sacrificing love inhabiting our being. And that's what happens at baptism. God inhabits our being, sets up tent, dwells within us. With that in mind, that's how we walk in love. So then Paul has this instruction going back to those good works and explaining them, drawing them out. We don't really need to add a whole lot to these words. These are very plain, simple instructions which are found everywhere in the Bible. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness, that's the evil desires in our heart to want something that doesn't belong to us, They must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Paul is so specific here, it's hard to wiggle away. He's got us. Not even crude joking. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous That is an idolater. Isn't it interesting? All through the Bible, idolatry, worship of other gods, adultery, breaking your marital vows, are connected. They're similar thoughts all the way through the Bible. You look in Exodus, you look in Hosea, and other books of the Bible, they're related thoughts. Cheating on your spouse, kind of like cheating on the Lord. Having some other thing inhabit your heart that is not God. Those folks have no inheritance, verse 5, in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words because of these things. 
The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, or for at the one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Dear Christian friends, as I said in previous weeks, it doesn't, once Jesus is there, once there is baptism, once Jesus is in your life, you are saved, you are in heaven, you do nothing to contribute to that. But that's only the beginning of your life, of my life. We don't go through life then doing what we want. We go through life doing what God wants. How could you ignore such clear scripture as Jesus Christ saying, you are the light of the world? And Paul writes the same thing. You were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern, understand with your mind what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There's no room for the living dead here. (laughs) You are the living living, meant not for darkness but for light. So, thinking of these words, I had to think of Alvin Robinson. I did not realize until preparing this sermon, actually, how much of an impact this individual had on my teenage years. We were both in high school together, and we both worked on the farm. So working on the farm, I'd like to, I'd like to think that if you met me back in ninth grade, you may not have recognized me. First of all, because I, I was all muscular back then. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was nice. But also because of this this filthy mouth. <laughs> I know. I was I, uh, working on the farm, picking p- tomatoes and corn. I was willing to show off how wonderfully and filthy I could be, uh, how much I could curse and swear and tear down everything else. And it was Alvin Robinson, who, by the way, today is also a preacher <laughs> in the inner city in Buffalo. And he said, now listen, my friend, That's not what God intended for you. I mean, even in high school, he had that maturity about him. He said, God created language. God created words. This young person is trying out right now, right? (laughs) God created our words that we need, and you need to elevate yourself up here. So you know what we used to do? We used to have competitions. We were picking corn. I, you know, we were, we were trying, you know, we were trying to, uh, you know, I, we were to say words like elucidate and vicissitudes and, you know, try to do these $10 words on each other. We would have competitions, unfor- you know, he would usually win, unfortunately, but, um, but, you know, we would, we would do that. We would, all right, and it took that young man kind of giving me a little wake-up call. Hey, look, you're a preacher, son, you're a Christian. God didn't put you on in the world for that, and I needed to hear that. I did not realize how much, here it is, you know, 30, some 30 years later, how much of an impact, how much that changed my life 
someone to remind me you were meant for light, not for darkness. And today, both of us pastors have to struggle with the hip-hop culture and other things that are out there. I mean, I, I have, I'm reminded of this every time I buy a new song because my children and I share the same iTunes account. <laughs> so we have to, I, I can't, you know, there's, we have to watch, we have to, how difficult is it to find songs that elevate language, not tear it down? So after that word of instruction, Paul goes into, leads into another agape, self-sacrificing love point, where we're going to get three ways in which we're going to construct these windows for people to view the church. Look carefully then how you walk, verse 15, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not the first time Paul has said that in this book. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we can get empty. We ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit through the Word, through the sacrament. That's where we receive the Holy Spirit. Addressing one another, and here we're going to go, three things. Number one, addressing one another. How appropriate, Rick, you came on this particular day. (laughs) Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That's how we are to use language, dear brothers and sisters. That's how we are to use our words. With musicality, as everything is a praise, an expression of praise to the Lord. That's number one, addressing one another with those psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Number two, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. He says that in 1 Thessalonians as well. Always giving thanks. Everything is an, is, is an occasion. Even when you're going through the roughest times in your life to give God thanks and praise in the middle of the storm that you are facing reminding yourself of all the good things that come from his hands. And the last thing, so addressing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, giving thanks. Number three, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is an agape moment here. I would rather, even though my needs may be unmet, I want you to be happy. That's on the lowest level. And then you come up to the Jesus level, which is, I will give my life for you. We are to submit to be one another's slaves out of reverence for Christ. Those three things, addressing, giving thanks, submitting to one another, that's what guides this next section, this longer instruction of Paul's beginning with husbands and wives, which we heard last, in last week's worship. Verse 22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Yes, I'm not going to take anything away from that. Just leave it alone for a sec. We'll come back to that. 
Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is to call to mind how are we cleansed? Why are we wearing the white robes as described in the book of Revelation? Because we are washed with the blood of the Lamb. In the same way, 28, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, going back to Genesis now, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There's no room in this for selfishness. There's no room in here for violating any of the other Lord's clear commandments, trying to use the Scripture to justify abuse in word or deed saying you should submit to me, woman. No, there's no room in here for that. What there is plenty of room for is abundant walking in love. Is, that's what ties this whole section. Speaking to one another, using praise, being thankful for what you have, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, being each other's slaves. How does it work out when the wife submits to the needs of the husband, and the husband sacrifices, lays down his life for his wife. What happens is that Jesus is in that home. How does it work out? I don't know. I've had other pastors share this with me, you know, the uh, instruction that, oh, well, that means uh, uh, the wife has to give the husband his way 60 or 70 percent of the time because he's the head of the house, and the, you know, then the husband gives the wife the rest of that, her ways, the other. There's no numbers here, people. There's no number. I mean, it, just, it works out. You lay down your life, men. Women submit and tend to the, the needs that are there, sometimes at the expense of their... They, I see mothers do this all the time, not getting any sleep and cleaning up, you know, and, and husbands share. I mean, it, it's sacrificing, it's submitting, and it works out because the Lord Jesus Christ is at the center. That's all I can tell you. That's, that's what's in the Word of God. And then the other things which we will do quickly here at the beginning of chapter 6... Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Children, are you hearing me? Honor your father. That's obedience. This is the first commandment with a promise. Paul reminds us that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. That's referring to the promised land, but that means you, what are parents here to do, kids? To keep you alive. It's good to listen to us, okay? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Be patient. Fathers and mothers, be patient 
but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Speak with praise. Give thanks to the Lord for what you have. Submit to one another. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. This is awkward. Talking about slavery. Obviously, we don't, that condition doesn't hopefully exist, shouldn't exist anymore. Slavery a little bit different in the first century Roman Empire than it was in the Civil War times here in this country. We'll make that point. And I won't get into that right here in this particular sermon. We're at time. What I will do is simply to say that in our vocation, in our daily job, wherever the Lord calls us to be, are you as the person working, if you're working for somebody who says supervisory, who's supervising you, are you doing your best? Are you giving them your best? Are you, are you showing the praise, submitting out of reverence for Christ? giving God thanks for what you have. Or if you have supervision over other people, are you showing praise with the things that you say, thanksgiving for what you have, submitting out of reverence for Christ, helping and being aware of the needs of the people who work under you? Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but bond servants of Christ, slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with goodwill as to the Lord, not to man. So this section concludes, dear brothers and sisters, that we are to walk in love. Let me just read the, I'm going to skip ahead here. Masters do the same, stop threatening, knowing he who is both their master and yours in heaven, that there is no partiality with him. We are to walk in love. Be imitators of God and walk in love. What that means, dear brothers and sisters, that as Peter, James, and John followed Jesus, what does it mean to be a disciple? You walk after your master, hear the things he says, do the things he does. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul never got to do that physically, but he understands and he passes on to all of us today that in order for the world to see Jesus Christ, let me conclude with one last thing. When I got up into the pulpit of the Church of the Brethren in West Virginia, or in uh, Western Virginia, in the Shenandoahs, was there to do the funeral service for uh, Miss uh, May Corbin. It was her hometown. She was buried in the cemetery behind the church. I was taken aback by the little plaque that was on the pulpit. It was a quote from the Gospel of John, the Greek-speaking individuals that went to Philip, and this was their quote, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, as we walk in love, the windows are there for people to look in on our lives and on the lives of the church. And that's what they say, we wish to see Jesus. Let that always be the case in God's church. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds forever in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise for prayer.